oh, you know what I'm realizing is happening? I'm getting thrown off because every time I'm saying, Alexa, my Echo Buds are pinging me. <laughs> ah, in this conversation, I've disabled the hands-free access through Alexa. See, you're obviously a pro at this. You've been through this. So I'm going into the Alexa app in my Android phone. Yes. And you go to Echo and Devices. And I see it. Enable Alexa hands-free and it's toggled on right now. I need to toggle yes. that off. Okay. Thank you. I love this. Real-time tech support from the SVP. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. This week, we take a closer look at Amazon's Alexa in a world where generative AI is enabling increasingly sophisticated conversations with digital assistants. How does Alexa stack up against ChatGPT? Is that even a fair comparison? How will privacy play into all of this? And what's Amazon's commitment to Alexa in this era of corporate cutbacks? Those are some of the topics we discuss with Rohit Prasad, the longtime senior vice president and head scientist for Alexa, whose role has expanded in the past year to lead the Alexa business. We started with his own history in the field and the evolution of voice and AI technologies. When you look at your journey to Amazon and your 10 years with Amazon, can you just give me a thumbnail sketch of your life and how you got to this point? Hey, absolutely. So I uh, was born in India. I grew up big in the Star Trek era and sports. <laughs> but what fascinated me was this uh, talking computer from very early days where you could just speak to your environment and it speaks back to you. And in the early days of my career, when I was doing my undergraduate and graduate studies, was uh, I was obsessed with speech recognition and speech processing in general. And I learned a lot about speech processing where we were uh, looking at a lot of understanding the speech as a signal. But the world of AI and machine learning was emerging in this, I'm talking about in terms of late and mid-90s. And machine learning was becoming a real big thing and speech recognition till date is one of the most fascinating machine learning problems if you look at even what's happening with large language models. The genesis of that is in speech recognition. Recognizing the words has two aspects to it. One is the acoustic model and the other is the language model. And those were the days where I did my grad school here in the States, but my undergrad in India, and then joined a company called Old Brannock and Newman BBN, which was one of the founding sites of uh, what is now the internet. One of the sites with DARPA sponsored ARPANET. And also the first peer-to-peer -peer email was sent and had one of the premier speech language and multimedia business units in those days when I was in the late 90s, uh, started there. And then in 2013, I came to Amazon and was thrilled to see that Amazon was dreaming about what was then very much like a Star Trek computer. And uh, it was the original Echo product. And I was asked to work on the far field speech recognition, which meant can you speak to a device from a distance and not only recognize the words, but then even interpret the user intent to do the right thing for the customer? It's interesting that you mentioned Far Field, and obviously that was something that you had a formative role on. That, for me, as an early Echo user, was something that made me go, whoa, this is different, because you could stand across the room and that device knew what you were saying. How important was that in terms of making a statement and making it clear to people that this was something that was going to be integrated seamlessly in people's lives? I think it was a seminal moment uh, for far field speech recognition 
essentially bringing to fruition which all AI scientists had long dreamed of, but never come to break through that moment where you could just talk to a machine like you, like you and I are talking. And that just opened the possibilities because before then, there was no killer app for human-machine interaction the way we know it now. And Echo and Alexa made it happen because of us being able to talk to the device from a distance. How would you describe the state of Alexa today in 2023 as an AI entity? The way we think in Amazon is establish North Stars and go for that long mission that often seems far, but make tangible progress for our customers in that way. So I think of Alexa's North Star has been remarkably durable because we want to build that indispensable personal AI. That's your assistant, your advisor, your companion. An assistant saves you time. An advisor make, helps you make good decisions. A companion inspires you or recommends things to you that you should be doing. And uh, from that perspective, I think we are very much where we wanted to be in, uh, when we started in 2013. But I would say with the advances happening in more generalized intelligence or uh, artificial generalized intelligence, and whether you believe how, uh, what they are, what's the exact definition, leaving that aside, but all the advances that are happening today is making our North Star be closer than ever. And that's what I'm very excited about, uh, that we are exactly where I would have hoped to be and, uh, 10 years back. And now I think our North Star is much closer than ever. So what can Alexa do? If you were an alien arriving on the planet assessing this artificial life form, like what would be your assessment of its virtual or digital biology at this point? Let me just say how my day started today and how my typical day starts and ends. So today, my day started with, I had a reminder set up that uh, I had to go to my daughter's tennis banquet tonight, which means I need to leave work a little earlier than usual. So Alexa reminded me of that. And it was timely because that was the first thing other after that, after my bedroom alarm was the first interaction with Alexa. Then when I was getting uh, on my exercise bike, the Echo Show closer to me had a bunch of news stories that uh, it's telling me proactively on my home screens. There was a bear on the loose in their joining tongue, which means even <laughs> even the uh, local news, uh, which I typically don't dial into, was proactively available to me. That's my start of the day itself. And then when I was having my breakfast and I was getting ready to get to work, traffic's been treacherous. And I checked for traffic because I moved my office to a different building here in Boston. So between that, this is just me. My son, I could hear, uh, is listening to a ton of music while he's getting ready for his school. My daughter had a bunch of reminders set up for her. This is her school's ending. My wife downstairs was listening to some Hindi music. So you see that the whole household is having some interaction with Alexa, and they are all qualitatively different uh, for each of us. And then yesterday, I reordered my air filters because the spring season has been pretty bad for pollen. And uh, so that's the kind of thing, like even shopping is just happening with my household with Alexa. So that gives you a typical moment in every Alexa household where multiple things, very different activities from different members of the household is making Alexa an indispensable entity in the household. Now, that's where we are today. 
And then if I fast forward a little further ahead, then I would say Alexa is your personal AI that knows you and that can do anything and everything for you within the social norms and safety of AI is possible with this technology. And as a scientist, the generalizable intelligence that is instantly available to you on your devices around you or what I call ambient devices is making that futuristic vision we only dreamt about in uh, science fiction movies is now uh, real. So if I were to go back to your Star Trek analogy, at this point, Alexa as the computer in the Star Trek language is hearing, communicating, not yet making Earl Grey tea. <laughs> or or beaming you up or down, depending on who you think was doing you that it was doing that. Well, that was Scotty. That was not the <laughs> computer. Was <laughs> but from a technical perspective, under the hood, you've got microphones. What kinds of sensors do you have? Yeah, today we have not just the microphones. If we have on devices with cameras, we have the visual sensors, right? You even have ultrasound sensors. Uh, you have temperature sensors in some of our devices. So we have, uh, and this is a good segue, if you think about human-like intelligence, then you need all the sensory inputs and outputs that a human has. But I really believe the possibilities with generalized intelligence on the sensory front is that there are a lot of superhuman sensors, like ultrasound is one of them. And you can think of many more down, uh, if you wanted, like an IR sensor and other things because of what technology, uh, where you're deploying these technology may require a different sensory elements to it. But to me, the beauty is that we are really combining the best of human sensing and machine sensing to get the maximum utility for our customers. What can you say about where things are headed over the next two or three years? I would say, as I mentioned, our North Star is to have the personal AI that is instantly available to you wherever you are and can do anything for you. Right, and that's your indispensable assistant, advisor, and companion. And when you back up and hone into that vision, then you see that, of course, you need the devices, multiple of them around you. This is where you also want a huge set of selection. So if you think of the fact that Alexa is available in more than 500 million devices that we have sold, they come in different sites and formats, <laughs> different form factors. You have the speakers, you have the devices with screens, you have devices with cameras, you have wearables like uh, you and I are wearing right now, and which means that the AI is just available wherever you are. So that, I think, is a very important aspect of delivering utility to the customer in our vision of ambient intelligence, which is the AI is there when you need it, and it proceeds to the background when you don't. And this means that all the sensory data that the AI has access to is being used in the right ambient context of who you are, where you are, what you're interacting with, how you're speaking, all of that matters in how the AI responds to you. And some of the actions are all initiated through the AI. If you think about nowadays, especially in interactions with smart devices that are connected to your Alexa endpoints, 30% of the interactions, more than 30% of the interactions are AI initiated without voice which means the AI is telling uh, either automating a routine for you or at sunset, you turn your lights off. That's, you've set it up once, it happens every day. 
um, even lights on actually. <laughs> so, uh, so, and that's a routine. And then also giving you uh, hunches that you may have left your garage light on and it's midnight. So these are the kind of things that when proactive actions happen from the AI, that goes well beyond simply asking a question, getting a response, or even having a conversation. And to me, this proactive assistance augmenting a reactive conversation is the ultimate vision of ambient intelligence. Coming up next, Alexa and ChatGPT. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. We've talked about this in the past, you and I, but when people go into something like ChatGPT and have an interaction and then go to Alexa and have an interaction there, there seems to be a gap. Why can't someone today just go into Alexa and have the kind of sophisticated, nuanced conversation with the richness of response that they might get from the likes of ChatGPT? I would say those two are products at different timeline and evolution. Uh, I think the comparison is not either fair to Alexa nor fair to ChatGPT because ChatGPT can't do a lot of things Alexa can do today. So from that perspective, I would just back up and focus on the fact that a device where it's close to you with a screen and a keyboard uh, is a very different interaction pattern than when you have a hands-free talking to the environment and also having instant help. That is very different than what you will do on a screen. And over time, what they share is, of course, the backend technology. We use uh, large language models as well in Alexa. It's powering uh, many experiences that you see today, including uh, giving you some trusted answers without hallucinating facts. Uh, so those are very important aspects. Alexa, uh, again, to contrast why it's different in its current product evolution is the fact that it's orchestrating or interacting with thousands of services in real time, instantaneously, uh, your music, your books, your uh, video, your smart appliances, uh, the number of things that's connected to you and what it makes seemingly simple is incredibly complex because underneath it has more than 30 machine learning systems working together to give you that outcome in less than a second often, right? So that's a very different interaction paradigm and the kind of conversations you want to have in that setup is different than in terms of researching on a topic on your screen with your keyboard. Andy Jassy, Amazon CEO, mentioned on a recent earnings call to analysts that your team is working on new versions of these large language models or a new large language model. I wasn't quite sure if it was singular or plural uh, based on what he said. Can you tell us what that involves and how that might change things or improve things? Yeah, first, uh, we have been using large language models for years. In fact, we had built one of the biggest encoder-decoder model, uh, which uh, these large language models come in many different structures. And that was already delivering state-of-the-art accuracy on tasks like summarization, translation, and so forth. 
And now we are working on, as Andy has mentioned, even bigger, more competent versions of the large language models. But that's also in our usual trajectory of delivering on our North Star mission of Alexa, which is that indispensable personal AI. And we are very excited about our progress we are making. Of course, I can't talk to you about the roadmap of it uh, today. I would rather not speculate on it, but I'm excited about what I'm seeing in the lab. Uh, on not just the fact that large language models will be disruptive, they will be, they will enable a lot of different properties in Alexa, but also the fact that all the ambient endpoints and our conversational speech recognition engine as well, that makes you talk to your environment without pressing a button or, 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 and just simply saying Alexa and then have a fluid conversation is possible because of all the technological assets that we have built over the years. In this expanded role that you've taken on, obviously you're leading the business now as well as the science. How has the emergence of these new AI companies, generative AI companies like OpenAI, changed how you might think about competition? And I realize Amazon's customer-focused, not competitor-focused, but I am curious about the competitive landscape and how it's evolved from your perspective. Overall, we are always focused on the customer right. <laughs> and having a durable North Star makes it very easy to give you this answer, right? So we start with the customer, we start with our long-term mission, but I would say that this is a super exciting time in AI. I'm glad that AI is back uh, in terms of a big zeitgeist. We have been there before with Alexa. I consider ourselves at the forefront of AI and uh, Alexa changed the cultural zeitgeist for what AI was to a, a general public. And I'm excited. The fact that our customers are interacting more than ever with Alexa is also a testimony to the fact that our North Star is working and or our path to North Star is working. And in terms of what's happening with large language models and other companies is, uh, is a very good thing for the AI industry as, as a whole. When you think about that vision of being this ultimate personal assistant Obviously, as you're saying, that requires a certain level of ubiquity, and you described the scenario in your house. I have multiple Alexa devices in my house as well. The one place that I don't have an Alexa device is in our bedroom. My wife says, no, not next to where she sleeps. She doesn't want Alexa there. And it seems like privacy issues would be one of the biggest challenges, and perhaps not the realities of privacy, but even just the perception of privacy. I know, for example, that there was a recent FTC settlement and Amazon and the FTC disagreed, even though Amazon settled that for millions of dollars just to move on. To what extent are privacy issues limiting your ability to achieve this ultimate vision? I would say uh, customer trust is paramount to us. I think whatever we do, we first think of it as how would a customer perceive it? And every decision we have made on Alexa puts customers uh, first. Even today, if you think about where we are with large language models, uh, it's very important that we make sure that there are limitations in sets of hallucinating facts or imagine hallucinating real-world actions would be terrible. And so from that perspective, I don't think of privacy as a hindrance. I think of privacy as an invention opportunity that can you invent by making everything in AI be more efficient from a data perspective, from the how you learn, how you can keep give the right controls to the customer on their data. Uh, so to me, everything I mentioned, the path to indispensable personal AI 
goes through being the most trusted assistant or trusted AI. And that's why privacy is paramount. How do you convince people of that? Because I can tell you, I have a hard time convincing. Maybe you can help me make the case to my wife. Like, why why should I allow Alexa in parts of the house that, that she wouldn't want it in? Yeah, I would say this is the onus is on us to earn the trust from her <laughs> or earn her trust. And I would say, like, in terms of, I think of it as the AI needs to exhibit very similar properties to a trusted human. A trusted human keeps your information discreet if you shared something. If a trusted human is reliable, a trusted human uh, will be competent. Uh, so all of those elements are important for us to earn your wife's trust in that sense. And I think, and uh, I mean, if you can help with that, I mean, this uh, <laughs> we have made the decisions. Uh, like if you look at how visible our simple design decisions are, like a light ring that lets you know whether the device is streaming to the cloud or just heard you say the wake word Alexa is quite important. Like, I mean, that gives you a sense for, yes, it heard me here. It's sending something to the cloud. And then we have made it super easy to go to your app and figure out where your utterances are so that you can look at what did Alexa hear you speak. And you can also say, Alexa, delete what I uh, what I said. And there are a lot of, we're bringing the same ease of interacting with Alexa to also have better control on your data. After the break, new devices and voice cloning. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. You and I are wearing the new Echo Buds. Amazon just came out with a new form factor of the Echo, the Echo Pop. How much of this expansion and ubiquity of Alexa in the future will come from Amazon's own devices versus Alexa on third-party devices? I think we, uh, if from the very beginning of launching Alexa, our, uh, our entire strategy has been to give customers the selection. And in that paradigm, our first-party devices are important, but our integrations with third-party partners are equally important. I'm so pleased with the uh, partnership we have with automotive companies, big speaker manufacturers, and more TVs manufacturers that I feel like this is where we want to bring Alexa to customers on the endpoint of their choice. And that's working. And I feel like our, we are even in many ways, we are still getting started. And I think you'll find that Alexa gets more and more ubiquitous. Obviously, Amazon and others in the tech industry went through some cutbacks over the past few months. Your team experienced some of those cutbacks at Amazon. And I want to let you address this because I think it raised questions in the back of some people's minds who were paying attention, at least, that perhaps Amazon wasn't focusing or believing as much in Alexa as it did before. Is, is that the case? Do those layoffs represent that? Uh, not at all. The layoffs are always painful. Even having uh, one person's role being eliminated is a pretty painful day. But our optimism on Alexa is stronger than ever. 
And I think we remain committed as a company to this mission because I think the personal AI will be extremely valuable to customers and Amazon. And I feel we are still just getting started in this area. And as you can tell, uh, Todd, in the industry, AI is expensive. So we have, <laughs> and um, I feel fortunate that we are part of a company that's willing to bet this big on AI and a personal AI like Alexa. And I, I'm excited about the feature, what feature uh, holds for us. Is there more pressure on your team these days to directly impact Amazon's revenue? In other words, to have commercial applications that end up prompting people to buy through Alexa or reorder? Um, is that happening? And again, because we uh, we have a long-term vision, we always have the patience uh, on every billion dollar business Amazon has created. We have had the patience because we know such disruption requires a ton of invention. And in that sense, the way we look at our business is if you look at entertainment, that's a multi-billion dollar industry and Alexa is making entertainment seamless for our customers and that's an important if you may a business vertical similarly if you look at shopping of course shopping is critical to Amazon and Alexa is being used by more than 50% of customers have shopped with Alexa so these are the ways we look at the health of our business and from that perspective we are on the path to deliver the personal AI that also is a, a sustainable business for Amazon. The last time I saw you in person was last year in Las Vegas at an Amazon conference called Remars. And you showed something on stage that I think might have been misunderstood by the press, by the general public. You showed what I believe was a scientific demo of a child's grandmother reading a book via Alexa, after Alexa had essentially cloned that grandmother's voice. And the perception was perhaps that the grandma was dead? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was an incorrect perception. Uh, yes. So, the, and you're absolutely right. The technology demo was on uh, what I call personal voices that are created with only a few samples, not requiring, you know, like with these uh, text-to-speech engines, typically used to record hundreds of hours of high quality or at least tens or twenties of hours of high quality audio in studio settings, whereas the technological demonstration we showed was essentially of not requiring that long of a sample set to train a personal voice, but within do it within seconds and minutes of speech. And as you and I discussed in that forum as well, the grandma was alive, it was misinterpreted. <laughs> yes, that'd be a whole different application. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any plans to bring that capability to market in any form that you can talk about? Uh, I can't talk about that today. Yeah, understood. Okay. What would you want to leave people with, especially current Alexa users, about the state of this vision to create the, the Star Trek computer and then some? Where are you and, and where are you headed? Yeah, I feel like we are in a very exciting spot. We are humbled by the adoption we have gotten by our customers, Alexa's interactions with our customers have grown by more than 35% in 2022, and we are continuing to grow in a big way. And I feel like the fact that we have an instantly available personal AI will be revolutionary. I'm looking for the next chapter of Alexa where it becomes qualitatively better for our customers, where it can do literally anything for you, as a personal AI should be able to do. And I feel like we are very much with our uh, advances that we are making, our North Star for our customers is closer than ever. 
You mentioned a couple times that increase in engagement. To what do you attribute that? It's a bunch of things where Alexa's accuracy has become better. Alexa also takes a lot of proactive actions that I've talked about where routines, customers have set a lot more routines with Alexa. And by routine, we mean it's automating a set of actions that you do every day. And which means your interactions with Alexa keep growing and you use more and more features of Alexa along the way. Uh, one other one I would say is we are finding getting access to information through Alexa is also being revolutionized because it's so much simpler now that you can just simply ask a sports score from Alexa or Alexa tells you that the Boston Red Sox are about to start their game. And even if you're missing the game, it then notifies you that this is the halftime score. So, and every, all of that is now then making you ask more questions to Alexa or shop more with Alexa, set more alarms and timers, but control more of your smart home, buy that next plug or a light that you're setting up, even if you're the first customers to get your smart home set up. So all of this is working together for customers to have maximum utility with Alexa. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Rohit Prasad is Senior Vice President and Leader of Amazon's Alexa business. See the show notes on this episode and the related post on geekwire.com for links and more information. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. Kurt Milton edited and produced this show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.